be praised. You're worthy to be praised. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. Yes, you are. You're worthy to be praised. Because the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. You're worthy to be praised. Your name shall be praised. Your name shall be praised. Because the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. Your name shall be praised. Your name shall be praised. Your name shall be praised. Because the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. Your name shall be praised. Take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands, shall we? Thank you, you, dear Lord. Thank you, mighty God and holy King. I praise you and I worship you. We love you and we need you, Lord. We need your holy touch. We look to you, Lord. We lean upon you. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. I am very happy to be in church with you this morning. I'm glad that you're here. I want us to uh, continue to worship God. We want to do that in spirit and in truth. And uh, if you have any kind of special need or request, we're going to have this moment to pray and make that known to the Lord, whatever it might be. Anything that you know of that somebody needs prayer, well, this is the place. God has done many marvelous and wonderful miracles right from this place in His holy name. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands, and let's talk to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the preciousness of your name. And thank you, Lord God, for every promise. And I thank you for every chapter, every verse, and every line. I thank you, dear God, for being a prayer-answering God, holy and righteous and eternal. And you've never failed, not one time. And Lord, we come with a great confidence to thy throne of grace believing you and trusting you and obeying you, dear Lord. For thou art God and thou alone, and there is no other. We thank thee, O Lord. We praise thee, O King. I pray you'll reach today many that are sick and need healing, many that are lost and need the salvation of God. O Lord and Christ of Calvary, in your great love and your compassion and your mercy, won't you pull them, dear Lord, Bring them close to you and open their eyes of their understanding. Oh, dear God, thank you in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said praise the Lord. I'd like to minister for a little while this morning on whatever, whatever. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. There is absolutely no way for any of us to place a value on Jesus 
has done and what he has provided. I suppose the word would have to be priceless. The enemy would like to befuddle your mind. The enemy can only bring darkness. He has no light to give. He has absolutely nothing good to give. And he does not possess those qualities or characteristics that are of any real value. He would like to deceive your mind. He would like for you to believe that something is worth a lot. When in reality, in comparison to Jesus, it's worth absolutely nothing. But of course, that brings you to your ability to appraise, to put the proper appraisal or the proper value on Jesus. If you really view him as priceless, then nothing else is in the running. Nothing, everything else is just an also ran, just a brand X, just something else. It's important to realize that, for an example, here we have a guy, he has walked with Jesus in the days of his flesh. That means that the eternal spirit, who hitherto had not given his name, when the fullness of time was come, he decides it's time now, and he decided that before the foundation of the world, but that time had rolled around. God had set a date and a time. And when that fullness of time was come, and that date, if you please, rolled around, then he chose to reveal his name. His name that is above every name. There were many, many titles, many ways of referring to God, but the name that was above every name, had not yet been given. But as I said, when that fullness of time was come, that he chose to reveal, he sent an angel, special messenger, and said, you go and you bring and reveal my name that's above every name. You're going to be sent to a woman by the name of Mary, and you tell her the message that I'm giving to you, and so it is recorded in the Bible that that special messenger came and said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people or deliver his people from their sins. Thou shalt call this babe. Thou shalt call this one who will grow in grace and knowledge, who will, in an earthly ministry, as representing me, being the express image of my person, and that's singular, he will represent me. He will be me in the flesh. In other words, in that flesh, the Bible said, will dwell the fullness of my spirit, power, deity. And so he will go about and he will do good. He will represent me. And he will cleanse people that are filled with leprosy and cancer and problems in their lives. He will bring the plan of salvation. 
he will be the light and cause it to spring up where there's been darkness up to this point. He will bring every good and wonderful characteristic about me because he will be me in the flesh. I'm going to dwell in him to the very fullness. I will not give to him as I have others to spirit by measure. but I will be in him to the fullness. He will have all power in heaven and in earth. And as Mary, the mother of the flesh, people want to call her the mother of God. Well, she didn't mother the spirit. She mothered the flesh. And she told the disciples, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Very good advice. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it, because you can have full confidence that he will never tempt you with evil, and he will never ask you to do anything that is wrong or sinful or harmful. But he will always have your best interests at heart. Because we have and can have such great confidence in him that we don't have to doubt and we should not entertain doubt or fear or unbelief. We shouldn't allow those spirits to affect our thinking. We need to remember that he, being God, that he has come to do something good in our lives and that he is extending forth the hand of heaven in an attempt to help us, to give us strength and victory and encouragement. I'm going to ask you at this moment, if you've got space, if you'll squeeze in a little bit. We've got quite a few people coming in. We thank you for that. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give our God a big hand together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. All right. So I want you to know that whatever... I'm building that around this morning. Jesus is worth it. Everybody said worth it. I want you to know that Jesus is worth it. Now, there, there were people that Jesus came to in the days of his flesh. There were people that he walked up to them and he told them to come and follow him. That meant that they had to change their schedule meant that they had to change their plans for the day. It meant that there was things that they had on the schedule, the itinerary for the day, the week, possibly the month, and you might say, for their life. And they had planned some things, but now Jesus has come by and he's told them to follow him. And they have begin, begun in their lives to make some alterations, make some adjustments. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to follow him. We're going to change whatever we have to change. We're going to do whatever is necessary to have him, to have what he's offering, to be obedient to his word. This is going to require of us something because we have a tendency, nobody here of course, but we have a tendency to just be a tad bit stubborn. 
we have a tendency to be rather uh, sot in our ways, as the country person would say. We get we get in concrete, and we it, it concrete. You know, it keeps hardening, and it does keep curing. And thank God for that. But it does keep hardening, and we don't we don't often realize just how our patterns of life get in concrete in our thinking. And the way we've done it, well, Scott, I'm always going to do it. You know. And we just kind of go about our path, go about our way. These were not little children that Jesus came to when he said, follow me. They were grown men. We had a somebody visiting one of the families in our congregation and they were coming in for a few days and they wanted he, the individual wanted them to open their home and accommodate him while he was here and uh, they have children and they have the Holy Ghost and they're baptized in Jesus name obeying the scripture they love God and they're trying to strive every day to do it better and to follow him and to realize more and more the value of Jesus and what has been placed in their hearts and their lives. And, and it only appreciates, it only grows in value. Yes, it already is the priceless, but to us, you know, we start waking up, wow, this is really valuable. What I have, what he's given to me is really, really something. It's us that the darkness begins to go away and the light begins to shine and our understanding grows and our knowledge and our insight becomes greater. And so we're the ones that are getting educated here. We're the ones that are getting smartened up here. We're the ones that are getting more spiritually intelligent, if you please. We're the ones whose ability to, uh, to value something, to uh, put a proper appraisal on it. You know, if you go down to the yard sale and, and you buy a picture... And, and uh, one day it kind of dawns on you, you know, this is a really nice picture. And you take it to somebody who's an expert, uh, like Sister Ann, or somebody in that field, and you take that to them and they say, do you know what you have? And you go, yeah, I got a 98-cent bargain from the yard sale. Boy, was I happy that day. I was just, went home, was so happy, said, look, honey, what I got. I'm real experienced at that, because my wife does that quite often. <laughs> and uh, so... But then somebody comes along that has a little bit more expertise in that area and says, what you have, you have a Rembrandt here. You have a Picasso here. You have something that is of great, great, great value. Well, what I'm trying to help you to understand this morning is that you can have something right in your midst Jesus made that clear one day. He said, there's a greater than Solomon that's standing here before you. He didn't say that to be bragging on the flesh. He kept the flesh under subjection. That's why it said in the book of Philippians, he thought it not robbery to be equal with the Spirit. Because he kept that flesh under subjection. He knew how to come in a manner that was of no reputation. He didn't make himself of any reputation. He's not 
he was not somebody that was trying to be on an ego trip here, but he knew who he was. He knew what dwelled within him. He knew that he was God in the flesh. The invisible showed visibly. God manifest in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word that was God was made flesh and dwelt among us. There was no mistaking for him when they said, by what authority do you do this? And he said, well, let me ask you a question first, and then we'll see if I'm going to answer you. And he began to ask them. He said, the baptism of John, was it of the Spirit or was it of men? And they got together and called a huddle. And, you know, huddle up. And they all got together and they began to talk. And they began to say, we can't say that John's baptism wasn't of God because all the people regard John and they'll stone us and they'll be mad at us. So we better not say that. But if we say, we can't turn around and say it was of God either because guess what? Ain't none of us been baptized correctly. So we can't say that. So they turned around and unanimously said, uh, Jesus, uh, we, we can't answer that question. And so Jesus said, yeah, well, then I'm not going to answer you either. You're not going to get that from me if you're not going to give something. Well, we've got to come to a place. You see, those people, they would not give up their tradition. They would not let go of the, of the get the concrete broken up in their heart. And your heart can be like concrete. Seed can fall upon the stony ground, and it can be very hard, and, and it needs to be broken up. It needs to be pulverized is what it needs to be so that you can uh, allow God, who is the, uh, he can make it like clay. He can make it malleable and shapeable and moldable, and he can begin to make you as he wants you. One day he did in creation. He did create man after his own image and his own likeness. Some people want to say, well, you know, it, it said, let us make man. Well, it maybe said, and it does say, let us. But it did not say, let us, in the sense of that there was more than one God, because it turned right around and told you that God made man. One God made man in his own image and his own likeness. Was he talking to the sun, the moon, and the stars in his own mind? Was he foreseeing things in his own mind? Was he consulting or in some way making it a conversation among all the stars or the angels of God? Hey, the Bible didn't tell me, so I can't say. But it did tell me that God was the one that created man after his own image and his own likeness. So he made you in his own the spiritual part of you, if you please. He made you that which is eternal of you. He made that after his own image because God is eternal. He made it after his own likeness because God is a spirit. He made that everything spiritual first. The formation of the flesh and man came afterwards when he took the dust of the earth. You've got to focus on the inner man here. You've got to focus on the inner person. You've got to focus on that part of you that's eternal. And everybody said amen. And so God did shape and mold you if you please. And uh, the thing is, the Bible said that sin separated us from God. And in came the serpent. And he's slithering around. And Satan said, I'm looking for somebody that's slithering around. I'm looking for somebody that will, uh, will be so base in their spirit and their thinking that I can, I can work through them. And so he chose to use the serpent. And in using the serpent, he began to project through the serpent. 
and I've seen people that had the spirit of the devil and they spoke out and that was nothing but the devil doing the talking nothing but that ugly spirit doing the talking like when one of our preachers went to a, uh, an, an asylum and was asked to go pray for somebody and his name was Bill Dross and he said when he was never been to this place before never had been asked to go there and now he was and there was somebody there that needed prayer and so he went by request and he said walking down that corridor people behind padded cells and bars and he said all of a sudden he began to hear a chant here comes Bill Dross the Pentecost here comes Bill Dross the Pentecost oh you better know the devil knows the spirit of God that's in his people and when he, and when he went in there friend I'm trying to tell you something when he went in there that was a reaction when we go into places and situations there's very often that kind of reaction spirits cried out when Jesus came in the days of his flesh and walked among men and women just like us and they cried out art thou come thou holy one to torment us before the time and they screamed and they cried out and he had to tell them to hold their peace and to be quiet or to come out of them and then in casting them out they begging imagine isn't that something the devil begging don't send me to the abyss don't send me early to the bottomless pit don't send me to that place now. I'm out and I'm walking through places and I'm finding people that I can live in and I can inhabit. You better know the devil is real and you better know that's why people commit suicide and why people uh, OD on drugs and why people are driven to great extremes. You better value yourself and tell yourself, whatever, I got to give up. Whatever, I got to let go of. I've got to get God to get a hold of my heart and shape and mold my heart and make me what I need to be to get the sin out of the picture here. Amen. 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 The enemy, through the serpent, introduced disobedience. And God had said a certain thing, and, and you know, and the devil wants you to believe it's not so important. And he doesn't really mean what he said. Hath God said? And put a little question in there begin to plant the seeds of doubt and that what's being said not really meant doesn't really matter not really important I'm gonna get by it'll be okay and having my way and that old concrete but see the the word of the Lord the Bible said in Jeremiah is like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces and you want the hammer of God's word to come down somebody said they don't want preaching or they're manifesting that they don't want preaching with sweat or spit, you know. So I guess they just want you to just give those nice little words out there and tell everybody lovey-dovey. I'm going to tell you what, we had one guy, we were building a church, and a wall got full, poured solid concrete, only they forgot that in that wall, it was an exterior wall that was supposed to go an air conditioner. It was a, it was an office, and it was supposed to go a wall unit air conditioning. And uh, so we were had to get a, a sledgehammer. John Henry, <laughs> and we had to start hitting that, that wall, and brother, when it's poured concrete, a lot of times that hammer bounces right back at you. You know what they say, right back at you. Well, that hammer was saying, right back at you. <laughs> and uh, so we had a guy on the job, he was just some center guy that uh, got hired by somebody, and he came out there, and he, he was young, and he thought he was big and bad. And boy, he saw us swinging that sledge, and he just walked up and just flexing himself, and and he just said, let me have that hammer. I'll show you how to do that. Brother, we'd been slaving at it for like 30 or 40 minutes, and we were sweating. 
and it was hot. It was Florida hot. We weren't having any of this northern visitation. <laughs> They're just jealous. So anyway, give me back my warm weather, right? So anyway, they, uh, we were really sweating. It was hot. It was humid. And we were drenched through, and we'd been at it over and over again, and we weren't making much of a dent, let me tell you. And, uh, oh, he just picked up that hammer and kind of looked at us, you know, bam, he hit that wall, nothing. He hit that, bam, nothing. And he looked at himself and said, bam, nothing. He said, well, there you go. Now, you all do a good job. You walk away. <laughs> Brother, we had to hit it until we got through it. And I'm trying to tell you that's how you can't just tell yourself some little thing in church, you know, or go home and say, uh, how's that go? I don't even know because I never have prayed that. Uh, but uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. <laughs> you know, it's going to take a little bit more now. It's going to take a little bit more effort. It's going to take a little bit more than you, than you just shaking hands saying, yeah, oh, okay, I take Jesus. Yeah. It's going to take a little bit more than that, okay? You want me to tell you why? Because you're a little bit harder than that. Because you, you're a little bit more sinful than that. Because the devil got more of a grip than you think he's got. Now, you may not be what you would consider. You know, 20, heavy, overweight is always 25 more pounds than I weigh. And old, old is always 25 years older than I am. Okay? I find myself riding around. I get behind somebody. I'm going, what's wrong with that old buzzer? Why can't he put his foot on the accelerator and get going here? I got many things to do today. Oh, that old codger. You know? It's always 25 years older than I am. You know that. Well, many people, it's, they always excuse themselves because somebody's worse than they are in their estimation. In their estimation. They appraise it that way. They look at it that way. Well, you've got to get to the place where sin becomes exceedingly sinful. Where lying is terrible. Where cursing and bad words are filthy communication. You've got to get sin to be really what it is. You've got that get that revelation in your mind. This junk is bad. And I got to get the devil to get his junk out of here. I don't want his junk any longer. I'm tired of petting the devil. I'm tried, uh, tired of living with sin. I'm tired of being in, encased in, in the fatness of darkness and unbelief here. I don't want that anymore. I want to get the light of life. I want to get on the path of life that shineth more and more unto that complete day. I want a good change here. I want the hammer of God's Word. I don't want to run from God's Word. I don't want to criticize God's Word. I don't want to sit around the dinner table and tear the sermon apart, thereby tearing the inspiration and the Word of God apart. You hear me? Everybody said, praise the Lord. I want to value God's Word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of the church. Amen. You tell yourself, whatever Jesus is working, whatever I have to turn loose of. Fella comes to Jesus, trained up in the right thing. And uh, everything was set now. The stage has been set. The timing is right there. What did it say in one place? For just such a time art thou come to the kingdom. Well, the kingdom was right there. The time was set. Everything was perfect. And up steps the individual. And in stepping up, the Lord begins to deal with him. As he says, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And the Lord said, well, what do you think about that? And he said, uh, actually, he said, you should, you know, keep the commandments. And you should do what the scriptures teach. Good advice. Kind of a feeler. Feeling him out here. And he said, well, I've been doing that all my life. Been raised up that way. I know that. Well, it's gotten you to this point. And guess what? You're not far, Jesus said, from the kingdom of God. It's brought you. And that's what the law was to do. Genesis to Revelation. Genesis to Malachi was to bring you as a schoolmaster to Christ. That's what it was to do. And, and it had done it in this young man's life. And now he is standing before the very one. The very one. The invisible God that has come visibly. God manifest in the flesh. The word that's God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And here he is. And this young man is privileged to be standing before him. And when Jesus said, well, you need to do thus and so. And in his mind, in other words, Jesus was testing him. Do you really mean what you're saying when you say you want to live for God? Do you really mean what you're saying? and what you've prayed, and what you've asked, and what you're saying that you desire, and that you really want things straightened out, you really want things better for yourself, and for your children, and your kinfolk, and that you're li you know you're living in a bad world, surrounded by bad things, and bad people, and bad spirits, and now you have this opportunity, everything has brought you to this place, and Jesus has put out the little test, and we're going to see here now, we're going to see if you're just talking, we're going to find out if there's any depth here. Do you really value what's right in front of you right now? Because you're not far. You're so close. Just another little step, and we'll get you baptized in Jesus' name. Just another little step, and you'll receive the gift of eternal life, the Holy Ghost, the gift of God. You're going to receive it. But the Bible said that when he was told that he needed to get rid of those things and, and come and follow me. Well, the Bible said the only alternative really is what you read. He went away sorrowful. And that's how it's going to be. People that turn away. People that, you know, and some people are, are uh, more vocal and more uh, vicious and critical, criticizing when they turn away. They, they, uh, they ain't going to do that. Them people crazy. You know, all kinds of stuff that people say. They come up with some very strange, and it's only because their heart is hard. And the Bible tells you that phrase about the hardening of the heart. Your heart is not this fleshly pump that, that the Bible is talking about. It's talking about the seed of your thoughts and your emotions, okay? That's or the seed of your intellect, if you please, where you think from. For out of this heart are the issues of life. And, and Jesus made that clear. Some people got belly religion. Oh, I can't eat no pork. Well, honey, if pork upsets you, then I suggest you don't eat it. Okay, no problem about that, but don't you don't have to turn it into a religion. Now, there were teachings in the Old Testament because guess what? They didn't have to plug in and have refrigeration. Do you know that? And that's why they would get trigonosis. And that's why Jesus warned them. Is there anything wrong with a certain diet? No, there's a lot of good things about certain diets. If you have a physical pump heart problem and the doctor puts you on a, and I recommend Dr. Vinegar he's a good guy. I've never have had to go to him yet, but you know, if I have to, I'll go to him, I guess. But uh, 
I prefer Jesus above it all. But anyway, he, uh, he, he, he's going to put you on a, on a heart-healthy diet. And he's going to tell you to lay off of the fat. Well, I definitely need to do that. He's going to tell you to, to stay away from certain types of things. Probably red meat. Not going to want you. There goes Whopper. There goes Burger King. If that's red meat, anyway. We're not sure. But the problem is, oh, it tastes so good, doesn't it, fellas? I'm speaking for them because I don't eat it. I, I tell you the truth, I don't. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Everybody said, hallelujah. And you know, the only reason we eat it is because it's so convenient. They've made it convenient and inexpensive. But it does add up. Yes, ask my guys. That's why they're always broke. Everybody said, hallelujah. There's nothing wrong. But I got to tell you, Jesus is not offering belly religion or salvation. He's offering a heart salvation. We don't have even a head salvation. This is not built around worldly wisdom. We want to be actually, we'd like to be a little less worldly wise, and we'd rather be worldly dull so that we could be spiritually wise, so that we could wake up to the, to the ways of God, that we could appraise things, that God is saying this is worth something and that we wouldn't shake our hands, our heads and say, no, no, this, this is worth some, ooh, this is great. When in reality, it's not. Not to the spiritual mind. And that's why some people turn so ugly and walk away and, and go away so, even though they don't admit it, but they go away so sorrowful in their heart and upset in their heart because they have rejected the prince of life. And when the apostle preached the first sermon on the first day of the church that Jesus gave birth to. And that's the only church or congregation that you should be interested in. It's not at a location such as 1316 West Canal Street South or next door one day soon, 1300 West Canal Street South. But you're going to realize that it's a, it's a, it's a body of people all over the earth, okay? And yes, they are going to be broken up into local locations. But that's a building, and that keeps us out of the elements when we worship God, doesn't it? Out of the rain, and out of the, if you happen to get snow, and we almost did, <laughs> and different things, the mosquitoes, it keeps you out of that, and we're thankful for that. But that's the church house. The body of Christ is what we're talking about. And you become a part of the body of Christ, or literally a member of the body of Christ, when you are baptized in His name. And when you are filled with His Spirit, and in Acts chapter 2 was the first time for whosoever will, when that was allowed to happen by the grace of God, He poured out His Spirit, so surely it is by grace you are saved, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, which is the Holy Ghost. All right? So you repent, you get baptized in Jesus' name, and He's going to fill you with the gift of God. He's going to give you the Holy Ghost. He's going to baptize you with His Holy Spirit. That gift is going to be given to you because that flesh gave its life on the cross and purchased that gift, that promise of the Spirit that whosoever will could have that experience. You've got to get in the whosoever will in mind. You've got to become a willing person. You can't turn away from this for whatever reason. You've got to tell yourself whatever it takes that he's worth it and I don't care about that and that doesn't 
didn't even approach to his value. Amen. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I got to be willing. There shouldn't even be a question in my mind. There should be whatever it is, you're worth it. But the Apostle Paul told you in Philippians in writing to the congregation, he made it clear. He said, I suffered the loss of all things that I might gain Christ. He said, everything I let go of, he said, I did it consciously. He said, I did it, if you please, willingly, because I wanted to gain Christ. You say, well, uh, do I have to let go of everything? Well, I'll tell you the best way to approach it is I'll let go of everything. And you know what? Then the Lord will build me the way he wants me to be built. He'll spiritually put in me what he wants me to have. He'll allow me to have what he allows me to have because you know what? He has my best interest at heart. And he's not going to put something in my life that's going to turn me right or left in the broad and the wide path that leads to destruction. But he's going to put in my life what's going to catapult me in that straight and narrow direction, heading for that street of gold and that, that those pearls, gates of pearl, and the walls that are pictured in my mind from the scripture of every precious thing. I don't need those things here. Here they're going to pass away. This heaven and this earth, this heaven and this earth are going to pass away. But the same God that created this heaven and this earth is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And that's going to be for all of eternity. There will be world without end. And, and then if God allows me to have all these other things, then I'll already be built up in Him. I'll be made out of the right material. I'll have all the right wiring and the thinking patterns so that none of these things will, as Paul said, move me. None of these things move me. I'm on the rock, and it's the rock that's higher than I am. And I'm glued to that rock. I'm glued by the truth. It's what holds me there. It's what keeps me there. Amen. So, if I have to give up my job, there are, one preacher told me one time, he said, you know, I don't believe people have to uh, change their job when they get baptized and get the Holy Ghost. And I said, what if he's a bartender? What if he's a pimp? I mean, might as well say some extreme things so you can get what I'm saying here. You know, what what if what if she's a, a streetwalker? What if he's a streetwalker? Well, we don't believe in discrimination. <laughs> I want to just beat on the ladies, do we? So you gotta, you know, what if he's a a street doctor? What if he's supplying? Think he ought to get a different job? I think he should get a different job. Matter of fact, I think, I don't think, I know that God will give him a different job. Because God's not going to clean you up and leave you on the same nasty path. He's going to put you on that path of life, that righteous path, that, what did it say in Isaiah 35 and 8, that highway of holiness. He said, where there's going to be everlasting song and joy upon your head. He's going to put me on the right highway. He's going to put me on the right path. And he's going to set me there all cleaned up. He's going to clean me up from the inside out. He, the emphasis is on the inside. That's what the Lord said. That's the priority. 
We're going to clean up the inside. We're going to take this blood and we're going to take this spirit because we're born again of water and of the spirit and the blood is in the name of Jesus Christ that you are buried in in water. Okay, that's where the blood is at. And when you come up out of the water, that's when you're born again of water because you buried the old nature. You know, we're batting a thousand around here. Everybody we put down in the water in Jesus' name, we brought them back up. And we buried that old Egyptian nature, that old sinful nature, because you crucified it when you repented, when you said, whatever's got to go, it's going. I'm crucifying that. I'm dying to my sin. I want to be dead to my sin. I don't want that to be alive in me anymore because now I'm going to be alive in Christ. I'm meaning those things before, that's dead, that's gone, that's out of my life. Those things I used to do, I don't do those things anymore because he's cleaned me up in here. He didn't just do something outwardly in my life. No, the emphasis was first we do it inwardly. First we get the inward part. And when we get the inward part straightened out, then it will manifest itself. We're going to have spring soon, and I've said this before, we're going to have spring soon, and the inner effect of spring being here, before you see it outwardly, it's going to take place in the plants inwardly. And then pretty soon you're going to get a glimpse of it. You're going to start seeing little buds. And that's letting you know that spring has already been in effect. You just didn't see it. I want you to see the work of Jesus Christ in your life. I want your spouse to see that work. I want your children to see that work. I want them to say, Mama, don't talk ugly to me anymore. Mama, don't talk in the cuss words anymore. Man, something's happened to Mama. Yeah, something good has happened to Mama. That's what happened. And because it happened in here, it's showing itself out here. Okay? Mama don't go where she used to go before. Mama ain't laying up drunk all day anymore. Woo! We got a change. Mama ain't entertaining men anymore. What kind of change? What's going on around here? I'll tell you what's going on. Somebody said, whatever. Whatever it takes. I want him in my life. I want this experience. I want to change a pattern. I want to change for the good. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Thank God we got an army coming in here this morning. Give God a big hand. Come on. Thank God. We want to get them early. We want to raise them up early. Amen. We used to have a, a young man that came around and his mother and they had a funny way of thinking. And I told her, I said, we're going to raise him up and train him up regardless of what he's seen earlier in his life or around him or patterns or examples, many examples. I said, we're going we're gonna to raise him up to be a Jesus example, be a godly example. We're going to raise him up to marry the girl before he gets her pregnant. How's that? We're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to try to get a right pattern started here. Jesus comes in. What did it say in one place? Uh, it said, whither have you made a road today? Jesus wants to make an inroad into your thinking. He wants to break into that darkness and he wants to give you the light he wants you to say see and look at him and say oh that's how you do it that's right he wants you to know how it's to be done there is a godly way for it to be done people will tell you just take Christ accept Christ as your personal savior and that phrase is not in the Bible 
The Bible does not use that language. It is not the language of the Bible. It is not the pattern of the Bible. It is not the teaching of the Scriptures, okay? So it's the same thing. You get taught the Scripture. You get taught the language. You get taught the terminology of the Bible, which is of God, in subject matter. And in so doing, then you learn that you are to be born again of water and of the Spirit, that you are to repent, you are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you are to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And everybody said, praise the Lord. And everybody said, amen. You know, for every right thing, the enemy is going to come up with a way to get around it. He's going to come up with a way to circumvent it. You know, I don't have to worry about anything. I can get protection. There ain't no protection like Holy Ghost protection. Well, you know, I could just go see somebody and I could just pop a pill. It's always going to be. Or I could just go see somebody and they can eliminate that, which is already started in my body. He can get rid of that. And they call it legal. They say it's all right. They provide them on it. It's right in our schools. What I'm saying to you is, Jesus said, I have a little revelation for you. Jesus said, I'm the door. And he said, if anybody, anybody tries to come in any other way than through me, well, well I could just take a pill. Well, I, I could get some protection. Or, you know, I got somebody really smart about those things I could talk to them and they could give me some ideas Jesus said you come any other way he said you're a thief and a robber and Revelation said all them folk are going to them thieves and robbers and all those that lie and love the lie he said they're going to have their parts in the lake of fire so we've got to realize that Jesus said you must be born again off water and of these spirits. How did the Apostle Paul get that calling in his life, Apostle, before the name Paul? How did, how did that take place? It took place because he got visited by God, and God said, and when he said to God, oh, what will you have me to do? Oh, that bad old attitude went out. That throwing people in jail, and that railing and holding their, their garments while they, he inspired them to pick up stones and kill people that were telling about Jesus. And now he's knocked to the ground and he can't see. You know? And who art thou, Lord? Wait a minute, you just told me you're a Pharisee of the strictest sect and you were a tribe of Benjamin and this and that and you followed the law and you did all these things. You're asking, who am I? You're just throwing people in jail because of your religion. You, you, you're giving people a hard time because you're, you're so encased in concrete and darkness, Mr. Smarty Pants. And you're asking, who am I? He said, I'm Jesus. And you're persecuting me. You're fighting me. You're resistant to me. You and your religion. Man's way to find God according to his own terms. He said, I'm here to give you salvation, buddy boy. Oh, you have me to do. What do you want me to do? That sounds like whatever to me. That sounds like whatever I got to do. I'm going to do it. 
Sound like God just took him and shook him real good and emptied him out. Got all that. You ever try to get that last penny out of the piggy bank? It don't never want to come out. I can even make it rattle, can't I? <laughs> can't, get, can't get that thing out of there. And it just drives you nuts, you know. And I'm going, I got things to do, and I'm wasting time trying to get one penny out of this thing. Got to put it in the coin collector, you know, and get the credit. <laughs> and God just shook him real good. Just shook you ever read in Job? He said, he runneth upon me like a giant. That's in your Bible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Job was feeling the beat down. Amen. But he never did compromise his faith in God. And so this fellow by the name of Saul of Tarsha, who's about to become the Apostle Paul, he's told, it'll be told thee what thou, here's that word we don't like, must do. God said, it will be told thee what thou must do. And then he said, and you're going to go to a certain church, and you're going to go to that location in that certain city, and it's going to be on a certain street. Isn't it wonderful the street was called straight? I like that. And then God went over to the, he's always works on both ends of the line. So God went over to the preacher and he said, hey, I got an assignment for you today. Woke him up. Huh? I got an assignment for you today. Okay. He said, I want you to go over to a certain church, certain location, certain street, certain city. And he said, I, I want you to lay hands on Saul of Tarsha. God said just real quick, Saul of Tarsha. <laughs> and all those eyes popped. Saul of Tarsha! Oh, God! No, not me! Send my wife. <laughs> said, calm down, calm down. He said, I, I already dealt with I shook him like a I shook him. <laughs> he said, I've run upon him like a giant. So you go ahead on. I've deflated his ego real good. I've flattened him. Pancaked him. He said, You 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 go over there to and you he's waiting. He's just waiting for you to get there. Because until you get there, he's blind. He can't see anything. He had to have people lead him. And so he went and prayed for Saul of Tarsha. And he even got bold with it. I believe he did spit on him and sweat a little bit. He said, uh, he said, Why tarriest thou? He said, Arise and be baptized. Call upon the name of the Lord. Old Saul popped out of there and could see, and he said, Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. He got the Holy Ghost, and later on, he in his testimony, he said, I thank my God I spake in tongues more than y'all. Man, he said, I got a dose of the Holy Ghost, and that's all that everybody needs is a good dose of the Holy Ghost. And man, that Holy Ghost will come in your heart, and it'll get all of that flush, all of that junk out of there, and you can put the devil on the run, and you don't need his junk, and you just need to wake up to the fact that you don't need his junk. You have an alternative here. You can choose what's good and what is life and what is righteous and what is eternal life. You do have a choice here. You have a good choice. You have an eternal choice. You have the best choice. If you could just wake up and realize, I have something better than Solomon. I have, I have an opportunity to have something better than a Rembrandt or a Picasso or anything else. 
I have Jesus in front of me. I don't have to turn around and go away sorrowful. I don't have to send a, spend a sorry life. I can have a great life, a Holy Ghost life. God put my life in order and put the right things in my heart. So I tell you, whatever, He is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Amen. And amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. You mean I'm going to have to go through life and I'll never get to go do that or I'll never get to go do this or I'll never get to go do the other? Jesus is worth it. You hear me? Jesus is worth it. Whatever it is. And so I preach to you this morning, whatever. Whatever it is. You tell yourself that Jesus is worth it. And anything that is good, anything that is of value, anything that is positive and helpful and edifying, He will put that in your life. He will put every good thing in your life. And everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you what. If you have to give up money to get them, you give up the money. If you have to make $2 an hour less because it's a better environment to be in, then you give up that job and you take the lesser job. Because let me tell you what's going to take place. And I tell everybody this all the time. I hope God blesses every one of you with a big old limousine as long as you won't get in it and drive off and snub your nose at us, okay, that you'll know why he put that in your life. He's going to put things in your life that will reflect his glory and that you will know to use it for his glory, to do the work of God for him in the earth. Let's take a moment and you tell God right now, whatever, whatever, you're worth it, Jesus. Whatever, you're worth it. Amen. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Holy King. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good thing.
Oh! 